there's definitely room for brokers to have that special relationship. But I can see a world where increasingly a lot of the sort of trust that comes into this is, is, is being taken up by technology and chatbots. Welcome to Deconstruct. I'm Isabella Farr. And I'm Susanna Cavanaugh. So because there's still more coming out about the Flatiron building, we're going to chat about that next week. We wanted to have as many of the juicy details for you as possible, so stay tuned for that. So instead, we're going to spend today talking about the Internet's favorite toy, ChatGPT. I was going to have ChatGPT write today's script, but my mom told me that was cheesy and everyone does that. So (laughs) like every other day, this is all us. I did play around with ChatGPT a little bit, and I have to say, did a pretty good job at a podcast script. Well, good. I'm glad. That means we can keep our jobs for the moment. (laughs) Yeah. So today we're talking about how the real estate industry is embracing artificial intelligence and using ChatGPT as well as other AI functions to support their businesses. But first, let's get to the news of last week. So Chicago has a new mayor. Brandon Johnson, a former teacher and teachers union organizer, won the election. And that is not who the real estate industry was backing. Yeah. So the industry has raised concerns about many of his proposals, like backing a measure that would more than triple Chicago's existing transfer tax on property sales of $1 million and more. Sam Zell, the founder of Equity Residential, John O'Donnell, who's behind Riverside Investment and Development, and the Chicago Blackhawks owner and investor, Rocky Wirtz, had all poured money into the opposing candidate, and that was Paul Vallis. As we know from L.A., transfer taxes are very, very unpopular among real estate players. LA's new transfer taxes went into effect, right? Yep, on April 1st, adding 4% to sales over $5 million and 5.5% to sales over $10 million. And we saw an absolute flurry of deals come through right before the deadline. As the market slowed up a bit with rising interest rates, I was getting, you know, a few press releases here and there. But last week, you know, there was, I feel like my inbox was full of, we closed this before Measure ULA went into effect. I wrote about one office sale in Hollywood that closed in five days, which is very, very rare. And Joel Schreiber, an investor that should be familiar to TRD readers for being the first investor in WeWork, he closed on Union Bank Plaza, this office tower in L.A., for about $110 million. And a few years ago, the seller was hoping for $250 million, so a huge, huge discount. Yeah, that's quite a haircut. You also had a story about Brookfield slashing the value of one of its office buildings in L.A., and that was because of the transfer taxes, too, yeah? Yeah. So in an annual report, the Brookfield entity that owns its downtown L.A. holdings said it was writing down the value of one of the towers at its Wells Fargo Center by more than $100 million, so coming out to about 25%. And it blamed Measure ULA for that, effectively saying that because of the tax, our building is worth much less than it was a year ago. Mm. I also saw the CEO of Brookfield's REIT step down to, quote, pursue other business opportunities, end quote. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm sure we'll learn a little bit more about, you know, what he intends to do next. Um, But speaking of CEOs, 
We do have to talk about former President Donald Trump. He was indicted last week and turned himself over to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. He pled not guilty to 32 counts of falsifying business records, all of which were tied to his business, the Trump Organization. Does that pose... None of those counts are directly you know, related to his real estate holdings, but does that pose issues for his real estate business at all? We had a story looking at that. The biggest risk seems to involve his financing. So an indictment could put Trump in violation of a loan, allowing the lender to force him to pay up or refinance the note. If that doesn't happen, he could default and ultimately face foreclosure on his properties. That's, of course, if there's a covenant in any of the Trump organization's loans that pertains to felonies or federal crimes, and if he's actually a guarantor on a loan or a majority owner. So a lot of ifs there. Right. But they could have structured it in such a way where those provisions don't exist or Trump's name isn't actually on the loans. Yeah, absolutely. One of Trump's frequent adversaries, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, has signed affordable housing legislation, which industry players say will boost development across the state. The new laws will set over $700 million aside in funding, create tax breaks, and provide other incentives for affordable and workforce housing developments. That sounds similar to the tax breaks we had in New York, actually. So developers said 421A was essential to making affordable housing projects work out. And we have seen in the, how long has it been, nine months or so since it expired, that filings for new buildings have dropped substantially. Brian Sidman of Redwood Devco, a developer based in Miami Beach, said the cost of private land is just too expensive to make affordable units pencil out. So... He said, you know, legislation like this helps. Okay, so let's get into our interview with Patrick Sisson. He wrote our March cover story on ChatGPT and how it's primed to disrupt the residential brokerage industry. So you wrote this piece for The Real Deals magazine on ChatGPT. When the AI first launched, it sort of immediately polarized folks somewhere in the camp where they were like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so innovative. And like, look at all these capabilities. It's a virtual assistant. It could be a therapist. And other people are like, oh my gosh, it's going to take my job. So I guess just curious, like what camp were you in when you first learned about this? I guess maybe somewhere in between, not to take a cop out, but I I do think that, yeah, I think on one hand, um, it just seems like it's not quite ready for prime time, or at least that's the impression I've gotten. You've seen a lot of these chat uh, transcripts and things like that, where there's just some gross inaccuracies. Um, you know, a New York Times writer uh, was got his marriage almost broken up by uh, by Bing. So uh, you know, things can get a little weird in in the chat um, world. But you know, I also think there's a great potential there. I just think we are at a place where the potential is being revealed for the first time, but it's still a ways from being realized. So it's important to maybe keep up with this technology and see where it's going, but I don't think we're in any immediate um, danger of being replaced by robots. Right. Yeah, I think that's a fair evaluation. And just to give listeners a little more context about the New York Times thing, he what did he do on Valentine's Day? He like fed chat GPT. Yeah, I think I think if I remember correctly, it was uh, Kevin Roos and he was talking about um, kind of going through the motions to test out the, the, the Bing chatbot was asking about making dinner for his wife and all these other things. And, and eventually got into a discussion where the chatbot got very obsessed with him and, um, you know, tried to say like, you know, you don't love your wife. Come with me. Yeah. Leave your wife. You don't love your wife. There's a really good episode of the 
another can I say another podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hard fork where a hard fork where he, where he talks about what happened. So yeah, you can kind of check it out there. No, it was great. I was listening a couple of weeks ago and I was like, this is wild. It's exactly what you want as a reporter too. Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of the touted uses for real estate is that AI can help brokers write listings, which would you know undoubtedly cut down on workloads. Back in January, we actually fed ChatGPT the script for Malibu Mansion. So I wanted to read through that just real quickly. So this is what ChatGPT churned out. Welcome to one of Malibu's most iconic properties, where luxury and history come together to create an unforgettable experience. This 10,000-square-foot mansion located on 2.25 acres of prime real estate offers unparalleled ocean views and a host of high-end amenities that will leave you in awe. Okay, so when I read through that, like we characterized it as kind of stiff. To me, it just sounded kind of fluffy. So I guess like, how do you think this type of product, like this output can still be useful to brokers? Well, you know, I think, I think, you know, backing up a little bit, I think this is the kind of tool where you could definitely get a great first draft and then it's up to you to figure out what comes next. I mean, I think, you know, the basic format of stats, size, acreage, views, all those kind of things. You'd hope that the chatbot would get all that right. And then you can kind of put in something that makes it a little bit more, you know, unique, personal, and, and maybe appealing to the audience you're aiming for. Um, but I mean, I think, I think that sort of passage you just read really puts into perspective. I mean, yeah, it is, it is pretty basic, pretty simple. And, you know, as, as someone who deals in real estate, you could come up, up with that off the top of your head rather quickly. I mean, it does save some physical time typing it out, but I don't think that's anything that's revolutionary. So <laughs> there is a sort of world of broker babble and like fluffiness that is inherent in that kind of writing product. But I do think you'd want it to be a little bit more, at least have a little bit more personality. Now I say that knowing that I haven't personally played around with these chatbots for this kind of exercise or this kind of uh, job. So perhaps if you did it and like added some different prompts that really said like in this style or look going for that, maybe you'd get a much more sort of interesting answer. So I, I'm not 100% sure that's the case, but I think you definitely want to find a way to get a better sort of end product than that to really feel like you're genuinely saving time and getting a lot of use out of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like if it's a great you know, jumping off point, that's cool. But if it's sort of like something that is more work on your end to edit down, like that's not. Yeah. I mean, especially like you're selling a mansion in Malibu. This is not a generic property by definition. So you'd want something that really does speak to, you know, both, you know, the price point you're trying to achieve and sort of make the buyer feel like, hey, I'm getting a lot out of this, you know, two or $3 million or more property that I'm going to invest in. So, some people, and actually the Real Deals publisher among them, have been adamant that ChatGPT will be this like humongous industry disruptor. So the bot will mean the need for fewer employees, and that's sort of a big deal for these office buildings because we've already seen remote work, you know, cut into who is showing up in these spaces. So that will mean like even fewer people showing up. So that's like a hit for CRE. Does that jibe with fears, that sentiment? Does it sort of fit with fears that you've come across in your reporting for, you know, for so long? I feel like there's been this scary story about like the robots taking our jobs, which you said earlier is not the case, but could we see could we see layoffs because of this? Well, one, I think there's like, there's definitely like a potential. And I think so far the potential in many ways is still relatively theoretical in terms of like reaching that point where yes, this is taking over a widespread amount of jobs. Now, 
there is a world of sort of process automation within a lot of companies. And that I think is where you might see this hit first. And, and, and by that, I mean like a lot of automation of the sort of like backend, um, you know, paperwork, things like that. Now for the real estate industry in particular, like, yeah, I think there's a lot of room for that to maybe replace or make people more efficient. Right. So maybe it's not necessarily an example of we're going to, lay off a ton of people that maybe like hiring starts slowing down because like the people we have could do more and more and more um, in terms of like the widespread impact on the economy and like reducing office employment and a significant amount. I mean, that has been a fear for such a long time. And, and I like, again, the, the, the journalist in me maybe is like tiptoeing around this. Cause I, I don't feel like I have a, enough research to know the answer, but like, you hear both sides and it strikes me as like, we're going to end up somewhere in the middle. Like this is definitely, there's certain jobs where perhaps someday this will be a big thing that replaces their work. But on the other hand, there's new jobs that will be created and there's efficiencies that will be gained. Uh, so I, I don't know how much that will like overall affect the the labor picture. I think that's a really, that's above my pay grade, so to speak. <laughs> okay. And maybe a, a chatbot's job as opposed to mine. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a good evaluation and a safe one too. So your piece focused primarily on residential brokerage, the potential for AI to, you know, turn that industry on its head. Brokers have said that the tech would act as the brain in the room and they would still be able to maintain their relationships with clients, which makes their role unique. But I'm wondering, I feel like you touched on this in the piece a little, like if the opposite could be true, if AI could actually disrupt that broker-client relationship. Yeah, I mean... One of the things that we've seen over time, um, especially with like the advent of maybe the first couple generations of like real estate tech and residential brokerage, is that you're getting a much much smarter um, home buyer, right? Like suddenly you have Zillow at your fingertips. You can do all these comparison shopping um, evaluations yourself. You know the market. You know all these details. Um, yet still, brokers have become much more prevalent. I mean, we almost we saw like a record number of brokers. Uh, in recent years. So I, I think like there's definitely room for brokers to have that, that special relationship, but I, I do, I can see a world where increasingly a lot of the sort of trust that comes into this is, is, is being taken up by technology and chatbots. I, I don't know if anyone's ready for like the biggest financial move most people make in their lifetimes being done completely by a robot. But I, we've seen more and more and more of it be sort of eaten up by digital tools and like more of that like bandwidth and more of that research and stuff and more of that other evaluations being taken up by people doing their own homework, so to speak. So I definitely can see like as these things get better, that more of that becomes the, the sort of provenance of chatbots or AI. But you know, again, that's a big jump. Getting to getting to like eighty percent and eighty-five percent is a big deal, but going to a hundred percent is a huge, massive leap that I don't think we're ready for in terms of the technology's um, accuracy, in terms of people's comfort with it. Like I, that, that to me is like a huge challenge as well. So there's still a lot of hurdles to be jumped, but yeah, I mean, I, I only see this making the buyer more empowered, and therefore like making the job of a broker really about being like an incredibly empathetic and sort of personable sort of salesperson who really understands things and can really connect the dots in a way that like you maybe didn't have to, you know, like your special knowledge is just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. So to be someone who really stands out, I think you have to like 
have more and more of that or more and more connections or more and more like experience. So I think that'll, that'll definitely make it harder for sure. It seems like whenever new tech is introduced, there's some people in the industry who are early adopters and then there's some people who, I don't know, for whatever reason, hold off. They think it won't catch on, whatever. So I guess what do you think brokerages that take their time in getting into AI, what do they risk by doing that? Kind of look at it in two ways. Like One is you hear a lot of companies talk about this transformation of AI as like, I need to invest just to stay in the game. I don't really know where this is going. I haven't seen proof that this is like definitely going to impact my bottom line or change how I operate, but there's so much attention being paid to this and so many other people doing this. I have to stay up with it too. So I think you're definitely going to see brokerages feel the need to do that. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad approach. I think you should be aware of what these tools can do, see how they work, test them out. I mean, you're hearing uh, creative agencies and, and ad agencies use these to help generate pitches and generate ideas. Like, is this going to become like a focal part of how they operate? I don't know, but they're at least, you know, opening the doors to it and testing it out and like figuring out what it can do for them now. And I think that's important for brokerages to at least be aware of it and have that understanding. Now, in terms of like actually investing in the technology, that's where it's kind of interesting to me because I think on one hand, there's you know, the question of, is this going to be something where an incumbent comes in and like has the technological power and the ability and resources to invest in this, or is like an upstart going to come and like change the whole game? Um, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic, sort of like the, you know, the, the Bing versus Google search aspect of incorporating AI, like who is going to really win out here? There's also the question of like, say like ChatGPT and OpenAI develop a really incredible chatbot model. You might not need to have the technology. You might just need to like, you know, license a version of that and train it in real estate and it can work for, you know, the back end of many different firms. So you might not need to actually invest in the technology. You might just need to be aware of it and like schooled with the technology, if that makes sense. So I think like brokerages and, and real estate firms definitely need to be, you know, aware and up to date on it. But as, as far as like the kind of investment they need to be made, I think that kind of remains to be seen based on how the bigger technology questions play out. Deconstruct airs every Monday on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com. For comments on this episode or on the series, feel free to reach me or Susanna at podcasts at therealdeal.com. Next week, as we said, we're looking at the Flatiron Building. Tune in then.